Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Makes me play angry. Boo you. I need something to motivate myself. You know what I mean? Same way I heard my voice in the open. I'm like, why am I talking so low with a Barry White voice? That's not how I sound, is it? Apparently so. I remember I got booed when I was a rookie with the Jets. Coming through the tunnel at a home game and not MetLife at the time. It was some Meadowlands or whatever. And uh, I'm walking through. And the dude's screaming and hollering. Yeah, he got the bag on his face with the eyes, sad drippings and the whole deal. I'm walking through. He takes off the, the bag. You suck too, boo. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) oh, man, that was some funny stuff. Being booed. Well, you know, the Jets are always being booed. They are. Constantly being booed. I don't know if Max's mic is working yet. I think think we lost him. I think we lost him. We lost him again? Okay, well. I, I do have to tell you, there was one time I was booed by Tiger Woods, and it was the most awkward booing we were playing at stanford and he was saying courtside he's oh. like yeah you stink jay and i was like but that doesn't sound real tiger really, <laughs> that doesn't sound real like that's not really a boo no it wasn't you're, you're talking boo. to me what's is, that is max back good? yeah my, is my mic good Maybe all right not. there yeah, you go there you go all right you're back okay have you been booed before max yes not that absolutely. i can recall really like do you want to be booed First I mean, set takes? Like, yeah, probably on the set where, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah, 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 of course yeah, you yeah. Do you like yeah, it? Yeah, I antagonized uh, the You're Golden State fans something. on the road Ooh. and stuff. Sometimes you got to play the heel, you know? That, that's how it goes. <laughs> you sometimes. enjoy that, don't you? I mean. Yeah, you do. Uh, you always rather be cheered than booed, but I, I would say that, that you got to lean into it. When, if it's unpopular and that's what you think, you got to lean right into it. Especially when you know you're right and it strikes a chord. Yeah. Yeah, like we did a sh- we did shows on the road, and I knew Toronto was going to beat Golden State, and Golden State didn't have half their squad, right? So you know, I, I told them what was going to happen, and then it happened, and so then you- we we kept having shows out there from re- we were doing remote from 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 you know the Bay Area, and so like the next day, I'm giving it to the fans and all that, but it's you know low stakes. It's not like I'm sure not like being booed as an athlete especially by the hometown fans. That's got to yeah, be crazy. So, so Zach Wilson's going through that right now. His struggles are real, and the uh, Jets are making real changes. Listen to this, guys. Oh, Key, you're going to love this. The Jets have hired Zach Wilson's personal quarterback coach, John Beck, for the rest of the season. Beck was on the sideline in Jets garb and we- wearing a headset Sunday. So his exact role is unclear. And he's going to be there for every game, Key. The move is significant because Zach Wilson, the second overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft, has been struggling. This move apparently makes Zach comfortable. But it also allows, what about this part? It also allows Mike LaFleur to go to the booth where he called the best game of the year Sunday versus the Bengals. And when Wilson returns, he'll have Beck on the sidelines and LaFleur in the booth. It's called a muscular move, killing two birds with one stone. Keyshawn Johnson, the floor is yours. (laughs) I I don't need the floor to know that it's a stupid move, but why? The Jets, uh, like, why would you, first of all, Mike LaFleur goes upstairs to get a better view of what's going on. That's fine. I get it. You you feel more comfortable calling plays up above than being on the sideline and communicating with the offense. Coaches all do it differently. 
The problem that I have, though, is your rookie quarterback, who you guys have scouted, brought in, moved mountains to get um, because you were sitting at the second pick, and so you moved on from Sam Darnold and did all sorts of other <laughs> stuff to get in the, stay in that position to select Zach Wilson as a quarterback. Your offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, slash head coach, slash uh, Joe Douglas, general manager, went to watch Zach Wilson work out, train, watch thousands of hours of film on him, and now you've come to the realization that you can't communicate with him and you can't coach him up. So you decide, hey, it's the middle of the year. Why don't I go out and get his quarterback coach who trains him, which is much different than in-game, Okay, training a quarterback is way different than a quarterback playing in a damn game. You going, you going to bring him and put him on the sideline. I'm assuming to work with Zach Wilson amongst other co- quarterbacks. So now he becomes your quarterback coach in the middle of the year, basically at the end of the day, because Matt, Mike LaFleur says he's more comfortable being upstairs. Okay, that, well, that's interesting. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me I, because if that's the case, won't y'all go let the receiver who trains the receivers in the offseason come coach the receivers. Maybe that's the where defense, we're heading. Yeah, the defensive back who trains the defensive backs in the offseason come and stand on the sideline coach the DBs. I got no problem with it. I got no problem at all with your team providing resources for a guy that you got in the draft that is one of your top picks, your top pick that you want to make sure that he's successful. And I think the reason why I don't have a problem with it is due to the fact that John Beck spent six years in the league. He got a chance to play for teams like the Texans, Washington, Ravens, things of that sort. And he also spent time understanding Mike LaFleur's system after his time in Washington with Mike Shanahan. So like, why not have an extension of yourself? Even if you are up in the booth, having somebody that makes it a little bit more comfortable for Zach Wilson, you want him to be as comfortable as possible. Who cares how he learns? All you care about is that he learns and he continues to progress. You know when football season starts, Jay? You know when it starts, right? Yeah. You know what it is right now, right? We're it's in November. The of season. Yes. You don't go bring a coach in in the middle of the season to start to try to help a quarterback out that you drafted who started training camp in August, in late July, and bringing the coach in in November, not late July. November. But why not? What's wrong with doing you it? You don't. Wait, let me, let me, that let me tells you more frustrated by that the tells me that your organization, Joe Douglas, the org, the head of the organization, doesn't know what the hell he's doing. You don't do that. All right. Let, let, I want to get to the bottom of of the beef here. It seems to me you're saying the issue you have is not well. This can't work or whatever. It's that it reflects systemic. Uh, weakness, basically, right? Yes. If the system is weak if this is what winds up happening. But here's 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 another caveat to all of this, though, right? Greg Knapp, former uh, quarterback coach, good quarterback coach, passed away earlier in the year to start of the season. They did not replace him. You go out and you replace Greg Knapp with a quarterback coach instead of giving the responsibility to Mike LaFleur. You, you do that immediately. There's so many quarterback coaches that were available after that. 
Then you wait till November to do this? Okay, but so so like, I guess that's, 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 I, that's, Key, I'm following your logic. Where's your brain? I'm following your logic. It reflects systemic weakness. The Jets system of doing things is is not good if this is what happens. But now to Jay's point, this is where we are now. Yeah. Putting aside for a second, which I will take wholesale, this is a bad thing. It says bad things about the Jets, okay? Yes. But putting that aside just for a second, at this point going forward in terms of the efficacy, how effective this move will be, Jay, you seem to be saying this might help yes. at this point. Do you, do you have any issue? Do you think that this can't help or might it help at this point? I don't think it's going to help. It's too late. You got, you, if you're telling me, oh, we're putting him on the staff to, for the start of next season, whatever. But that's not what they're saying. They're not saying he's on the staff because of next year. They're talking about he's going to come and he's going to work with him now. So it's like training wheels together. Yeah, get like what are you talking about, man? We're damn near we're in the middle of the season. By the time he comes back to play, we'll be at the end of the season. Jay, it what, just, it's, what are your it's crazy to me. What's your response to What's that? What's the Jets record right now? They're two they got and, two wins. Two, two and five. Two and five. Okay, and it's been pretty bad, has it not? Yeah, two good wins, but then not wins. many wins. Yeah. I mean, Zach Wilson <laughs> does also lead the league tied with Patrick Mahomes. I wonder if it's still tied up this past weekend. I'm not sure of the stats. But, uh, I, yeah, okay. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see what all the anger is about. Like, is it going to work this season? Well, okay, maybe if he shows progress this season, like it's showing the right sign. Like, you're not just making moves for this season. You're making moves for the long-term effect of it. And I, I, I don't see anything wrong with it at all. I don't know a coach in America that would bring in a quarterback coach in the middle of the year. I don't know a coach in America that would do that. I don't know. A, I, all the good head coaches I know, I've never seen it. I don't think – I just don't see it. So you've never seen it before. Does that mean it can't work because we've it, never seen it before? It will not work, Jay, this well, year. Well, it I'm will not, not work. It might, it might not, suggest it's unlikely to but work. But that's fine. But you're not, you're not trying to make incre- – I mean, you're trying to obviously make incredible strides. But I don't think anybody realistically is saying, hey, John Beck, we expect for you to come in and we want to see these results in a month and a it's half not, from now. It's, you it's just want to see slow about, progress, It's just man. not about Zach Wilson. It's about the other quarterbacks. It's about the receivers. It's about the running back. When you are a quarterback coach, you don't just be responsible for one talent. You're responsible for all but pretty much this is, the things that's going I, on in the past. I, dis, I disagree with you. Pretty much this is about Zach Wilson, right? I, yes, Max, you're right. When it comes to the Jets, it but is all but, about Zach but, but Wilson. They told us that when they moved on from Sam mistake, Darnold that's a mistake, and took him second overall. You, you, that's you'll fine. Be, you'll be living in misery for the next several years. That's fine. Okay. You can think it was a mistake to draft him. You can think this is a mistake. But at the end of what the day. What have they shown you, Evan, the New York that Jets gave you any positive vibes other than this move that they made? What have they shown you? Nothing. Okay, That's then. not the point. But it's not it, the point. Though. The You're point of it is they're trying things. to put their young quarterback, their young offensive coordinator, and their young head coach in better positions to be successful. Yeah, but That's I think what they're, they're doing. You're having two separate in arguments. November? Yeah, you're having two sure. separate arguments. Oh, he is God. looking at the move. He's not saying the, – the claim is not, Key, I think, that you're saying this move causes – something bad. You're saying this move reflects something exactly. bad. And, and sure. but, but Jay and Evan seem to be saying, what, what, even if it reflects something bad, maybe at least in the short ter- term it can help. I, I guess. Hey, I, Key. I don't think it helps. Both things can be true at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> ah, way to hit him, Ev. Okay. But, <laughs> they can. I agree with 
Loki wholeheartedly. Be you're going to be the picking Jets, in the top five again in 2022. The Jets have messed this up from Jump Street. They messed this up when they moved from on Jump. from Sam Darnold. They well, messed this up back that. to when they hired Adam Gates. You can go back that far. They have messed this up completely. But I have faith in my organization now that they have recognized no, not after the season. Mess it up again, they actually. recognized right now during the season that something had to change to get Zach Wilson to play better and to get him to develop a little bit. Key, quicker. what about this? Wait, Key, what about this? We are in an era picking up that point that Evan just made. We are in an era where people start quarterbacks way too soon, right before they're ready. They they have to justify the pick. They want to win on the rookie contract, whatever it is. So might there be certain changes that, that even old school head coaches might start to make to give these young quarterbacks who aren't ready but are starting training wheels like their quarterbacks coach? You know, did, did, did you hear me say in July and August? Do it there's then. no problem with that. If he can coach, he can coach. Better late than never, though, no? But you bringing a dude in the middle of the year – to try to solve an issue and a problem based on a coach who had a decent game calling against a team like Cincinnati and they won. So now all of a sudden. I see what it is. What, what, I, I see what, what it is. What if he goes upstairs and they yeah. get the you-know-what kicked out of yeah. him next game? I, I, I'm going to re- reconcile these two points now. Evan, Man, Jay, please. watch this, okay? I'm stop. What key to me, it seems, you correct me if I'm wrong, key is basically saying is diagnosing the whole situation with the Jets – this is the type of move that the Jets make. And this is means, why the Jets are the Jets. Which means they continue to be a bad organization. Yes. And since most of their decisions turn out poorly, John then Isaac this is was their also general manager to, at yeah. once upon a time for crying out loud. The, this move suggests to Key Evan, it seems to me, that the Jets are going to jet, and yes. here they go again. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And to me, I am going to hope that my oh, yeah. organization, hope, that's all you have. That my organization does that they recognize something that makes Matt Michael LaFleur better at his job. And so they are doing something to help him be better at his job, which will hope also hope hopefully make Zach Wilson better at his job. I don't know that it's gonna come true. It is the Jets. I don't have much faith that it will, but I can hope that this is gonna work. Yeah, and, to I, and I can hope a lot of things sure. too. I can Let's, hope I win the lottery one day. Do we have time to play? One's gotta go. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so one's got to go. This is easy. I'm going to give you two or three names. You're going to tell me the one that's got to go. We'll start with the Jets. Zach Wilson, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala. If one had to go right now to improve things, who would it be? Key? I probably would go Joe Douglas. I'd probably go general manager. If if you had to go, I probably would go general manager because he's the one at the top, and yeah. Robert Sala just got here. A lot of this stuff I'll defer to Key on based on his experience from the inside out and based on the stuff he just said, Evan. It's If it's an organizational issue, it's the GM, Joe Douglas. I would go with Zach Wilson. I would let Zach Wilson go and try to bring, bring Sam Darnold back. That was fast. What? That was fast. I don't think they should let go of Zach, Sam Darnold to begin with. Oof. I'm going to move on from that. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. or Baker Mayfield? One's got to go, Jay. OBJ. I'll go with OBJ. I, I think I can get a lot in return once we obviously get him on somewhat of a same page with Baker Mayfield, but OBJ. OBJ, I would probably let him go. He's two years left on his deal. Somebody, you know, if you cut him, they'll save about $15, $16 million in salary cap relief if they let him go at the end of the year, and that's probably what they're going to do because nobody wants to take that number on. It's got to be OBJ um, because you – 
because Baker can play. But if Baker is digging in his heels at forty plus million a year, I, I might say Baker because I don't think I can OBJ. pay him that. Yeah. I'm going to say I'll keep OBJ. And by the way, Baker's listening. I'm sorry to talk about your money. It's just the reality of sports media. We have to analyze all that stuff. I hope you get paid. Let's go to another New York team. Here we go. Odell's old team, the Joe Judge, Daniel Jones, Dave Gettleman. Which giant has to go, Max? Dave Gettleman. Uh, Dave Gettleman. Easy. Easy. Dave Gettleman. I mean, first of all, the answer is also Joe Judge probably. But you know what, guys? What I've seen from this – I've seen what I need to see from Joe Judge and Daniel Jones. They're not going to be great. There's no greatness there. Uh, Joe Judge, the jury is out. Daniel Jones might be good, maybe. Is that enough? The sixth overall pick in the draft might be good? I don't see greatness in Daniel Jones, Joe Judge, and certainly not in Dave Gettleman, and I want my organization to be great. I would probably look to Joe Judge. He would probably be gone. Dave Gettleman, he's getting a little up there in age-wise, but you know he's he's picked some Decent players, I think, in the draft. They just haven't panned out because they're not being coached up. Um, This is another one of Bill Belichick's disciples in a situation, as you can see, much like Flores in Miami, now Joe Judge in New York, and Matt Patricia in Detroit. You're going to wind up in the same situation. Max and Jay will be asking me who should be the Giants' next head coach after next season. I'll go Dave Gettleman, um, but I don't think we're going to see any three of them gone. Next year, I think they're all going to be back. I think Gettleman's going to try to draft some offensive linemen in this year's draft, and uh, we will be in the same boat next year. You know the definition of insanity, Jay? Doing the same thing over and over and over again. And And expecting expecting a different different result. result. Yeah, sure. Great. Speaking of, Matt Nagy or Ryan Pace, who's got to go? Ryan Pace, I believe. I think Ryan Pace needs to go. Matt Nagy drafted this quarterback in Justin Fields, he's coaching him up. He's young. Give him an opportunity with his guy. But if one had to go, it would be the general manager because some of his moves had just hasn't been good in the offseason, selecting certain players, yep. free agency. So I would say it would be Pace. Yeah, I would agree with Q on that one. Matt Nagy hasn't been around long enough. I think Ryan Pace would be the answer. Quite simple. If you're saying Matt Nagy is the one who drafted Justin Fields, then I'm with you. Then I'm with you. Then 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 Pace has to go. Usually you give the GM credit for drafting a quarterback, but if you're saying you're attributing that to Nagy, fine. All right, let's switch it up. Let's go a little NBA here. You guys saw what happened with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart saying Tatum and Brown need to pass the ball in the fourth quarter. So who's got to go, Tatum or Brown, Jay? I like Jalen Brown as a two-way player, but I, I think I would let Jalen Brown go if that meant I can get Bradley Beal from the Washington Wizards to compliment Jason Tatum. I, I think you get more value from Jalen Brown than you do from Jason Tatum. It's Malone. Yeah, I, I would say Jalen Brown. Um, when a player starts to, you know, voice his frustration of not getting the, the type of touches he thinks he deserves in a situation like this in basketball, when you got two other guys that – can also deliver, why not? Why not move on from him? Jalen Brown's an excellent player, but you'd have to let him go because Jason Tatum, I think, has the ability. I don't know if the best player on a championship team, he could be the best offensive player. He could be be the primary offensive, primary scoring option on a championship team. I think he's that good, so I'd have to keep him. One more. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, one's got to go. 
Ben Simmons, man. That's easy. Yeah, is that a trick question? Yeah. <laughs> well, he tricked me. I don't, I don't, I don't know how I feel about Joel Embiid long term, uh, injury wise, man. I was I there like, a couple I like years ago. Around Ben Simmons, and I know people don't like Ben Simmons. I know it's probably not going to be there. Yeah, because he hates. I, I get it. I just like let, let's see, let's see how long Joel Embiid plays. Jay, I was with you. I said Ben Simmons because I thought they'd be better off with that. Ben Simmons needs his own team, I thought, a couple years ago. The bottom line is there is something that we've never seen before, a man refusing to shoot the ball. I understand. We've never seen it before. I can surround him with great players, though. Joel Embiid just missed Monday's game. He has a hurt knee again. Let's just see how his these knees continue to back. pan out. Let's he, see how both the knees and the back continue to pan out with his size and his weight. He, I hear you. Long term. By the way, it's a legitimate concern. Embiid? Was the MVP last year, except he didn't play quite enough games. But he was like Simmons has well, not reached that talent. level yet. I love him as a talent. Yeah, yeah. I there's do. a reason he got picked third yes, instead of first. I love yeah. him as a no. talent. No. G. Sean, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, your smart speakers, podcasts, etc., Dr. Pepper, call in line 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. You only get two words. How do you describe the initial college football playoff rankings? Heather Dinich, ESPN college football writer, is with us. Keyshawn J. Willemax is presented by Progressive Insurance. And uh, Heather's on the Goodyear hotline. Good morning, Heather. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. We're doing good, Heather. Well, now that you're here, uh, <laughs> what do you think the committee – uh, had the most trouble with, Heather? Well, they had the most trouble with three through nine. This was an extremely difficult ranking to sort out, but within that stretch, they really actually struggled the most over Oklahoma and Wake Forest, if you could believe that. Two undefeated teams and struggling on defense, but they really like the way Caleb Williams has played for the Sooners. So if you're an Oklahoma fan, I certainly would not fret about that placement right now because Oklahoma's schedule down the stretch, and it definitely helps them that Baylor and Oklahoma State are both ranked. If the Sooners went out, they're in. But I think the biggest story was definitely the snub of Cincinnati. What What did the committee say about the snub, though, in Cincinnati sitting at six? 
They said the same thing that I have heard for the past seven years covering the college football playoff, which was strength of schedule was not enough. The road win at Notre Dame was great. It was impressive. But when you look at where the committee ranked Notre Dame and ranked Michigan, Michigan State's win against Michigan was more valuable in the eyes of the committee. And then you look down the top 25 and there's no Houston, there's no SMU, which means there's no opportunities for Cincinnati to compensate for where they are right now. I think they're in a hole that they might not get out of guys. So they're stuck. So even if things get chaotic in the power five, you don't think that Cincinnati has a a chance to actually make it? Well, you're talking about some real chaos. I mean, because the teams behind them, Michigan and Oklahoma, both have more opportunities down the stretch to impress the selection committee. So, I mean, there is nothing that would surprise me more than enough chaos in the Power Five Conference Championships to open the door for Cincinnati at this point. Um, I just, I, I have a hard time building a realistic case for it, guys. If Alabama had two losses and one of those losses came to uh, in the SEC championship game, what, how tough would it be for them and what will they need to do to get into the championship game? So I think one loss, Alabama sitting there at number two, at least opens the door for that possibility. But, guys, I'm talking about that SEC championship game. If Alabama loses to Georgia, it has to be a nail-biter, instant classic, go-ahead-and-throw-overtime-in-there type of game in order for the committee to justify that. Um, Again, it depends on what happens in those other Power 5 conference championship games. But because they're sitting there right now with one loss ahead of undefeated teams, I'm I'm not going to close the door on that possibility, but it would be difficult for them to justify Heather, why, why was Oklahoma ranked eighth? What am I missing? <laughs> well, look, I, I mean, well, let me ask you this. Did you watch the Kansas game? I, I hear you. <laughs> we, 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 we can start there, right? But as spectacular as Caleb Williams has been, they don't have any wins against ranked opponents. If you want to poke holes in Cincinnati's schedule, turn around and do it against the Sooners because Texas wasn't ranked. You know, that was one of my questions heading into this was what the win against Texas really worth, and apparently not much this year. So when you couple that with the fact that defensively they haven't been terrific, they're 63rd in the country in defensive efficiency – It's just not enough yet. But like I said, two of their last three games against top 25 opponents in Baylor and Oklahoma State, I mean, that's – and it's not going to be easy to beat Iowa State either, certainly. So, like I said, if you're a Cincinnati or an Oklahoma fan, I think you've got plenty of room to move up. Heather, hear me out for a minute here. Uh, Oregon Mm -hmm. goes into Ohio State to start the season. They get that victory. But Mm – if you watch them out the course of the year, for me, my eyes in the Pac-12, there ha- there hasn't been an impressive win. They're like the they beat UCLA, which UCLA beat LSU earlier in the year. They beat a brand. They didn't beat a real LSU team. They just beat a logo. And then you start to look at it, the Stanford game, or you look at some of the other games that they've played. It's like okay, but they have the one loss, and they're now sitting in a top four. Where Cincinnati, on the other hand. You look at them and you say, okay, he did go to Notre Dame. Notre Dame is not Notre Dame. It's a a brand as well, but they're undefeated and they can't even squeeze into 
the top four, but but Oregon all of a sudden is there because of the Power Five structure. Why is that? So I understand what you're saying, and I'll, I'll give you what the committee does in this instance with Oregon. So I've been paying very close attention to. I happened to see them live. I saw them in Columbus, and I was at UCLA. And the committee has paid attention to the fact that Kayvon Thibodeau did not play in Columbus. They still found a way to win. Fast forward to that UCLA game that you're talking about. Then you still have so many injuries. This team was decimated by injuries. Alex Forsythe, their starting center, missed four straight games with back spasms, right? He was warming up, ready to play against UCLA, couldn't go. So then you also have the committee recognizing that offensive coordinator Phil Moorhead not there to call plays in that overtime loss to Stanford. So all of these pieces of the puzzle go into that conversation, plus you add that they have the best non-conference win in the country. Now, I'm not justifying what they did. I'm telling you how they looked at it, right? So I I thought Cincinnati was going to be four. To me, the biggest surprise was Oregon at four. But I will say this. It gives hope to the Pac-12 that if Oregon finishes as a one-loss conference champ, the Ducks can be in. But it would not surprise me in the least. And I would expect Ohio State to jump Oregon in the end if they run the table because they've got the potential for two top ten wins against Michigan and Michigan State down the stretch. Mm, That's Heather Dinich, ladies and gentlemen, on the Goodyear Hotline. Thank you, Heather. Appreciate it. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, guys. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So there's no good way to, like, start talking about this. I th- This came in as a this just in on the TV show yesterday, mm-hmm. and it was like, Damn, as I'm reading it, like the Raiders about the initial accident, but the Raiders released receiver Henry Ruggs III after his involvement in a fatal crash. Las Vegas announced the transaction late Tuesday night. The move came after Ruggs was released from a hospital and and uh, from a Las Vegas jail on two felony charges after a fiery vehicle crash early on Tuesday left a woman dead and Ruggs and his female passenger injured. Woman's dog was also in the car and died. Ruggs is scheduled to appear in court on Wednesday. Guys, like, I mean, uh, there's, this is just an awful, awful story. It, it is. And, you know, when you look at, obviously, the timeline, 
it, it early in the morning like that at 3 a.m. plus in the morning, you you only start to think about where this, you know, where was Henry Ruggs coming from? Like, is he coming from the club? Why is he out doing the bye? These sort of things, coaches, one of the things that coaches always say during your bye week, don't be that guy. Don't be the guy that brings light to you and our team. But even to a a deeper degree, somebody lost their life because of a bad decision that you made, right? You, you are at 3 a.m. in the morning. You're operating a vehicle. Why, I, hey, Key, let me give you a few more um, facts from the report on ESPN.com. Um, Paul Gutierrez wrote it. Ruggs faces felony charges of driving under the influence of alcohol, mm-hmm. resulting in death and reckless driving, court records show. So and, and, that's what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, in, in Vegas, the penalties, uh, the jail sentence and all that stuff is really, really harsh. Like some of the, the harshest stuff that you could think of for this type of situation. But I've always told professional athletes, whenever I've, I had spoke at rookie symposiums or whatever the case may be, don't be selfish to a degree that you feel like you have to drive a vehicle when you know you have consumed alcohol or whatever, when you are not in the right frame of mind. There's a reason there's a hotline at the NFLPA for you to call to have them pick you up, somebody to pick you up, local authorities in that state, every single state that an NFL team is in. Have that for you to use. Players don't like to use that. Why? I don't know. I I, I haven't I, I still to this day, every single year since I've been in television, every single year since I retired, I've had to have a conversation like this on air about a player operating a vehicle or a coach or a personnel guy operating a vehicle under the influence and either getting into a major accident or being pulled over and getting into trouble. When I played, simple. Car service, and that was it. Driver, that's it. In this day and age, you got Lyft, you got Uber, you got more money than you could think to spend. All you got to do is – You have NFL services that you just mentioned. You got NFL services. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call somebody. Because I've always said, as a player, I'm more cool – getting out of a car service than driving to the car to the club or wherever I'm going. I'm people look at me different when I got somebody opening up the door for me or sitting outside waiting on me with one of them big old black SUVs. I don't need to be driving my car. Nobody's going to see me any damn way. It just it pisses me off when you put yourself in these situations and on top of that somebody has lost their life yeah. because of a bad decision. That you've made. Yeah, Jay, drunk drunk driving generally, like, you know, I'm on the road with my family. You know, the reason not to drive impaired is not even about yourself, really. It's about other people on the road that you're making decisions about the rest of their lives and and shortening their lives and their family, you know. But but I I do understand also that alcohol, for example, impairs judgment. And and that's exactly when you make that bad decision, which is why the NFL has these mechanisms in place. Hey, if you brought your car and you didn't, you know, use this service, you, you must have experienced 
uh, in mean, your playing days Not and just since. playing days. Yeah. I mean, that, for the past year and a half, I've been driving an hour and 15 minutes every morning, leaving my home at 3.30 a.m. to get here. I'm like, we, we've seen, my guy and I have seen individuals swerving on the road, yep. doing crazy things. Like, it, that, that's the reality of the world we live in. I, I agree with Key wholeheartedly here about, you know, Lyft, Uber, having a driver, you have the resources. But I think one of the reasons why, and I can't speak exactly to Henry Ruggs' situation with this team, but when you see that he's 22 years old and you have money and you have fame, once again, this is, I'm not condoning these actions at all, but there's a certain element from somebody who made a mistake in my life that you kind of feel like you're invincible mm-hmm. to a degree. And I'm not, not saying making, you're walking you're not around excuses. saying I'm, in, I'm invincible. Yeah. No, I'm not making any excuse at all. You're speaking to all. the frame of mind that allows someone to make this kind of bad, terrible decision. I say it on the show all the time, Max. Ego is one hell of a drug, man. And you got to think sometimes that when you're an athlete, you're programmed to think that you, you're able to do things that normal people can't do. So when you find yourself in a situation like this, well, I can do things that normal people can't do. I, I got this, too. I got everything. Yeah, Which I'm not saying it makes it right at all because it's not right. Hire a damn driver. Do that. Like a woman's life has been lost. Hmm. Just trying to give people a tad bit of insight into a little bit of the bravado that comes along when you receive fame and receive money and receive a lot of people that always say at yes a young to age. You at a young age. You yes. know, I, I remember when when they asked me how. You know, I remember when the organization asked me how could they make things better and safer and all that stuff for the for the players because it was all about the players and obviously the conversation. And and I told him, I said, well, why don't y'all just tell players, why don't y'all just mandate that players cannot drive cars during the season? Why don't y'all just mandate that and make them get, make them get car services and town cars or whatever the case is because this situation with him, not only is the life lost, but another career is lost. Right, you, you, it, it, the Raiders released him. Not only that, he now has injuries to deal with. He's got to get his life back together. He's got to now deal with the trauma, the effect of what just took place. All of those sort of things is now going to ultimately affect him. Not only is it going to affect him, it's going to affect the family of the deceased. Then not only that, it's going to affect his family. Yep. That's his family that he was dealing with and taking care of and looking out for and all of the dreams and the things that he had worked so hard for off of making a split decision on putting the key in the ignition of the car and driving. I think think everyone can relate to this in their own lives, especially when you lived long enough. If if you're listening to me, you've lived long enough and you're a little older. Think of how many times in your own life you're like, ooh, that was close. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have been bad, right? To varying degrees. It's not always life at stake, but sometimes, right? Um, and especially when you're young, if you get away with it, you would think, you know, oh, survive that one. Yeah. That one. I'm not talking about just drunk, dry, whatever, yeah. you know? Um, you, you think you would think that the lesson would be, oh, okay, let me, let me get, go on the straight and narrow. But in fact, especially with young brains, where they're, the area of the brain involved in judgment and decision-making is not as developed as when you get older. 
and you don't have the experience, actually what you learn is what Jay was talking about was, oh, I got away with that. That's doable. Oh, I'm invincible. Right? On some level, you think, yeah, yeah, but and, – and Henry Ruggs, this is what happens. Like, th- like that is – well, that's a worst-case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, that can, and it can easily happen. And it can be an easy-case scenario, too. Yeah. With, by doing exactly what he did. And, and so, you know, I kind of know Henry a little bit, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in the whole situation just because when you have conversations with people, you try to teach them and tell them. That's not the way to go. Don't try to be the cool guy because being cool is not going to get you anywhere. Just, it's just not. The problem is the young look at people with experience and say, hey, take this extra step to be safe as, well, yeah, because they're old. They're not cool anymore, right? Well, you just smarten up a little bit. Damn. Much more Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max coming up on ESPN Radio. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com. 